0: Sports program is brought to you by the Loaded Bases Podcast. This is
1: New York, everybody late. Everybody hello and welcome to season two, episode two of the loaded bases podcast. As always, I'm Nick Wilson, joined by Alessandro Di Janeiro. Alessandro, hello sir. How's it going? All right. Well, today we have a very special guest, uh friend of the show, one honestly is one of our favorite people to interview, uh senior content producer at WFAN, Lou Di Pietro, here to talk about the Yankees with us. Lou, how's it going?
2: It's going great, guys. Good to talk to you again. It's been a while.
0: It has been a while. It,
1: it it really has. It's been so long, but this—I promise you, Lou. This time we don't have any uh, football games in the background, so oh uh, we're gonna have <laughs> some cl- clean audio.
0: Forgot about that. Sounds good to me.
1: All righty. Well, I guess uh, you know just to just to jump right in. Um, so. The Yankees had a very uh, difficult task this offseason, right? They're in the third year of the salary cap penalty. So if they had gone over this year, instead of incurring the first year or second year penalties of just being taxed on however much uh, in terms of dollars you go over, there was going to be draft pick uh, penalties. And of course, if you're perennially drafting at the bottom of of the, the draft, that's an issue. That's kind of a problem. So the Yankees had about $40 million to stay under, and they were losing some key pieces, right? DJ, Tanaka, Hap, uh, Paxton, and they were able to navigate it. So, Lou, uh, I just want to know your thoughts on the job Brian Cashman did with the offseason and maybe maybe a grade that you give.
2: Uh, if I have to give a grade, I'm
1: going to give a B minus. Ooh, uh, B minus.
0: Spicy. Okay. B minus. Oh, yeah. All right. Wow. Uh, I don't think.
2: I, I don't think it was as bad as everybody wants to think. You know, everybody, of course, wanted Trevor Bauer or George Springer or this or that. You know, maybe yeah. a little bit more in land actually, for, for yeah. a lot of guys, too. Hmm. Um, but here's the thing is that there were a lot of moves that were made. I mean, the Padres are all in, right? I mean, they went for Yu Darvish. They went for Blake Snell. They just gave Tatis $340 million after 60 games. Um, you know, other teams were a little... Little shyer about making moves, but you know, Brian Cashman long said that the winter kind of revolved around what was going to happen with DJ LeMahieu, and that turned out to be true because as we saw, I think about 20 minutes after he re signed LeMahieu, they made like three more moves.
3: And,
0: then and they didn't they do, do anything, anything before. before.
2: Yeah, nothing, literally nothing. I mean, they, they, they claimed Greg Allen off waivers.
0: Yeah. For, uh, well, that was uh, a huge class. So
2: yeah. You know, traded James Reeves to San Diego for him. Um, <laughs> You know, I so I, I give it a B minus for this reason. Obviously, DJ Lemayhu is a huge acquisition, reacquisition, however you want to call it. You yeah. know, still he's still here. Um, you know, and getting him at six for ninety. I mean, the guy made twelve million dollars the last two years. So to get him for fifteen, you know, is DJ Lemayhu at thirty seven going to be the same DJ Lemayhu we see now? Who knows? Um, you know, but good hitters. You know, as long as they can keep hitting, it doesn't matter. He's a Gold Glove player. Um, probably going to have to move to a corner at some point. Um, there's not a lot of elite second baseman and middle infielders in their mid to late 30s, uh, despite the fact that we just saw one in the Bronx about a decade ago. But, um, you know, after that, you know, I, I'm not sold on Corey Kluber. Um, he didn't have a great spring. Um, you know, his line was okay. For his opening start um but i mean he pitched four innings I, I, it needed you know close to 100 pitches to get through those four innings coming off two seasons where you know i know 2019 was a bit of a fluke accident with getting hit by the pitch and breaking his arm but then last year with the you know torn shoulder muscle and he's you know in his mid to late 30s now um i think he's gonna be 35 here coming yeah. up uh in yeah um, you know, he's he's a 35-year-old pitcher coming off a torn shoulder muscle. I mean, Dylan Batantis was one of the most dominant relievers in baseball, and he looked terrible coming off a similar injury. Mm. I mean, Corey Kluber was never a fireballer, but the guy's thrown, you know, 37 innings in the last two years. I mean, he was a workhorse. We saw what kind of pitcher CC Sabathia became, <clears throat> you know, after, after throwing 200-plus innings for years and years and years and years. And I'm not saying Corey Kluber can't do that, but I mean, for what some of the starting pitchers and and for what Brian Cashman was saying about needing certain innings to go out and spend $11 million on Corey Kluber, uh, I'm not sold on it. He seems to me more like the kind of guy that's going to make three or four average starts here and then go on the DL in mid-May with shoulder fatigue and miss three months than he is going to be, you know, Freddie Garcia or Bartolo Colon 2011 type guy. Um, but then you also have to give cash credit for he turned Adam out salary and the three guys, the men's them. Uh, sure. Justin Wilson's on the DL, but you can't portend that. But to, to turn, you know, to turn Adam out into being able to re-sign Brett Gardner and add Justin Wilson and, and Darren O'Day is some pretty masterful salary. Uh, not, well, it's not a salary cap, but salary cap management for anyone. So, you know, he made the move he had to make. He didn't get crazy, but, you know, is this a better team than it was last year? Even though he was as creative as he was, I don't know about that. Oof. So you know, I, I give it to B minus, where it's still getting that three point oh, but uh, <laughs> could have been a lot better.
1: Well, I, I gotta no, say, I, I, now go on, Alessandro. I,
0: I just gotta say, Lou, you never fail to bring me down to earth. You know, it's just I, I was I was feeling good about the offseason. I was I was feeling good about it. I gave them an A minus for my grade. But everything you just said is, is spot on about Kluber. Now, no love for my guy Tyone.
2: No, I mean, Jameson Tyone, that's, you know, that's a, that's a great trade. I mean, we don't know, you know, this is not something with Tyone. It's two Tommy John surgeries. I mean, look at what Nathan yeah. Evaldi has gone yeah, on to become, you know, obviously the Yankees had him be, be, between his first and second, but you know, you look at what Nathan Nivaldi has gone on to be and you, you see some other guys who are two times Tommy Johns and it's, You know, it's not not necessarily a good thing that this is becoming more common, that guys are having multiple Tommy John surgeries, but, you know, there are guys out there like Evaldi showing that there's life after the second one. You know, so if Tyone, with that, and his changed mechanics, I mean, we'll see. He's going to be pitching here tomorrow, um, or not tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Um, You know, we'll see here in a couple days like what he looks like at real game speed, but you know, the other thing, too, is with that, like, you even look at spring, and I know spring training is a time where I think guys are working on things and doing this and that. And, you know, Chad Green looked crappy in spring training because he was throwing all curveballs because yeah. that's what he was working on. You know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. saw old Chapman and throw a couple of splitters to the backstop. Yeah. Is what it is. You know, Tyone, to be able to get a guy, who, you know, $2 million in arbitration, his salary is a little suppressed. Um, you know, still has that pedigree. He is. Only a couple of years removed from you know making 30 starts in Pittsburgh and having a pretty good year, um. You know, that's that that could be a uh, that could be a steal of a de- of of the decade trade, mm-hmm. given what they gave up for him. Or you know, if it doesn't work, he's you know you, you've got a serviceable pitcher, a back end guy for a couple of years at a pretty cheap cost, uh, for next to nothing. You know, I mean, look at what happened with James Paxton. Yeah. You know, they gave up a lot more for him, a lot more salary. He had one decent season and then was hurt most of last year. You know, I mean, if Tyone, you can't grade the Tyone trade now You, outside of saying they didn't give up much for him, so that's great. You can't really grade the Tyone trade until, you know, either he falls apart and his arm falls off in a couple months, and then you're like, all right, well, they tried. Like, that's going to be the worst-case scenario, so... You know, can't you can't hate on it, but you can't necessarily say it's going to be the greatest trade ever. Yet, uh, let's hope he, uh, you know, let, let's hope he can kind of even become two thirds of what Nathan Avaldi's become. Then it's then it's a huge win.
1: So I, I guess I just have a, a two part question for you, Lou. Just uh, for one, um, you know, Kluber's a guy that that sits sort of like ninety two ish, ninety three, and really relies on command. So. You know, when I for and listen, I I get accused of Mets bias by uh, my co-host here sometimes, but I'll say <laughs> that I I was actually I was actually pretty uh high. I was pretty like low on Kluber and then Alessandro kind of talking to him, I think I periodically uh got higher on Kluber actually. Um the, the V the v low, the VLO is sort of where it it was pre-surgery. So can you just give me sort of like a I guess, a ballpark expectation maybe for what you think Kluber is going to give you and maybe even Tyron as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, Kluber to me sort of, you know, looking at him, I saw a lot of his spring training starts, you know, a couple were televised, um, so the world kind of got to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's he's going to have to evolve more. He's never been throw at 99 and throw it by you. That's, that's never of been course. Corey Kluber, and we know that. Um, and, you know, to be fair, he did get 10 swing and misses. Um, you yes. know, the other night, which is, you know, still a lot for a guy who's throwing 92, 93, but with good command. Um, you know, if, if Kluber can be, l- let's put it this way. If best case scenario, Kluber can be a guy who wins 12 games, uh, you know, pitches to a four ish or less ERA, you know, be slightly above league average pitcher. um, you know that's that's great. Obviously, you know, like that's that's worth it. Um, you know, a guy like Kluber, the name value comes a little more into you know, oh, this guy was Corey Kluber, and now he's you know the kind of pitcher that's winning twelve games with the Corey area. Well, so is C. C. Sabathia, and, and nobody, you know, nobody's really too upset about his last couple of years in of pinstripes, right?
3: Yeah. You
2: know, if if he gets hurt again, you know, it is what it is. As, as long as he can, at least, at worst case scenario, if he can be a bridge to mid-season, you know, let's get to August, see what he is. Severino can be coming back by then. You know, Davey Garcia may have the 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 reins taken off a little bit and be uh, become a bit more of a weapon. Uh, what's the word Brian Cash always used? We can, we can deploy him correctly. <laughs> right. right.
1: Uh, Out of the Death Star.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, like, I think ideally, if you gave Cash a truth serum, he would say that the Yankees want next year's rotation to include at least two, if not all three of Clark Schmidt, Davey Garcia, and obviously Severino along with, you know, Cole and some combination of Herman Montgomery, Tyone too many starters is a great problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's $11 million. It's a lot of money. It's probably too much to cut. it. like, what do you do if Corey Kluber stinks? Like, do you put him in the bullpen? Like, does Corey Kluber become Mike King? I mean, you know, what what do you do? Do you just keep throwing this guy out there every five days if he's well you know, going to need eighty five ninety pitches to go four innings? It's, I, it's a lot of questions. Tyone, like I said, is what it is. So,
0: I, I this is this is actually a good way to segue into our next um, topic, which is going to be injuries. But just to just to wrap up on this real quick, you know, at the end of last year, when we were talking when we when we talked to you last, and we were talking about the Yankees heading into the playoffs and how. Starting pitching depth was a huge issue. I mean, coming into this season, I feel a little bit better about it. You know, because the fact that we have Debbie Garcia, who's young, controllable. You have Clark I know he's hurt right now. Um, and then you also have Jordan Montgomery. Um, and then you have Herman Tyone, and, and Kluber. Um, I, I guess my question is, you know, Kluber, Tyone, Herman. they've only thrown one pitch since uh, 2019, I believe. Right? 2019. So... I mean, how, how do you feel, like, do, do you think that injuries might not play as much of a factor with the rotation depth if they can rely on a guy like Garcia? I don't know anything about, like, Clark Schmidt's return. I don't know if you do. Um, but if they have guys like Montgomery...
2: shut down as of
0: now. Okay. Well, all right. Well, that kind of poo-poos what I'm saying. But, if you know, if they have guys like Montgomery and Garcia that they can rely on, it, it's definitely a little bit of a better situation than they were at last at the end of last season
2: for sure and you know i mean the, i mean we could still be talking about the david garcia jay hap situation oh my like,
0: god oh you know my like god. we did
2: last year but yeah. um you know here's here's the one thing i will say about that is that yes you're right about part of that in one regard that that i i think is kind of an underrated thought process here and that is that Corey Cooper pitched one inning last year. Domingo Herman did not pitch at all. Tyone Mm -hmm. hasn't pitched since mid-2019. So, whatever the effects may be of pitchers coming off, you know, know, Boone's talked about this, Cashman's talked about this too, where, you know, they expect Garrett Cole to still be a horse, but the guy goes from throwing 200 innings to throwing, you know, 75, to throwing back 200. Like, you know, I know they, they were throwing, I know guys were pitching during, you know, the shutdown and, you know spring training summer camp 2.0 whatever you want to call it um but it was a very weird season mm-hmm. for those three guys it was not that way it wasn't you know cory kluber yes but then he got hurt you know tyone um you know he he was rehabbing from tommy john surgery he wasn't coming back no matter what so it was focused on rehab get right get ready herman was doing whatever he was doing during the shutdown so they're Fatigue or their um, drop off or whatever you may want to call it, maybe le- there may be less of a chance there than a lot of other guys. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that Garrett Cole or Jacob Degrom or some of these guys are gonna be you know a disaster come August because they're ramping back up, but we know that the progression is usually with the minor league guys. Especially, you only want to throw them you know 20, 30 more innings per year. You don't want a guy to yeah. jump from. 110 to 190 Good um you know it's kind of what severino did and look what happened but yeah those three guys and then severino coming back too he had tommy john like very early he's been rehabbing those four guys especially i mean the yankees rotation could be a lot stronger um in terms of health and fitness and and you know avoiding that kind of hitting the wall than a lot of other teams come august september october just because of that
1: so of all the names that were traded, right? You Lance Lynn December 8th, you Darvish uh you know near Christmas, uh Blake Snell shortly thereafter, Carrasco, uh Musgrove, and I guess you could probably, you know, factor in a couple other free agents. Do you think the Yankees should have gone with one of those players? Uh maybe, you know, safer floor in terms of innings, uh or do you think that Cashman ultimately maybe there's a higher floor, but made the right decision with these, with this these two uh, high upside pitchers.
2: I mean, I guess obviously Dick, we're going to find out, you know, come August, September, October, right. What, whether, whether it was the right move or not, you know, the thing with the thing with the U Darvishes and the Blake Snells and, and the, even the Lance lens. I mean, look at the returns the teams got for those guys, you know, look at what the Cubs got for Darvish, you know, Plus his salary. Look at what the Rays got back for Snell. You know, plus I mean, would they have traded him to a division rival? Um, you know, the Yankees had Lance Lynn a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. he wasn't Lance Lynn, but you know, whatever. Uh, you know, somebody like a Musgrove or, or a second-tier starter like that, who's I, it would have been. I would have felt a lot better about it if the Yankees had added some of those sure innings, because you know, you say one thing like, oh, we're gonna add these sure innings and this and that, and then you add three guys who haven't pitched. You know, Tyone pitched in 2019 until, you know, for the first month and then at Tommy John. Kluber missed all that time with a broken arm and then the shoulder injury. Herman missed a year and a half. Like, and where are those sure yeah. yeah. innings? Like, yeah. even Montgomery is coming back from, you know, Montgomery isn't feeling like himself until this spring, he said, you know, and he's he was two and a half years out, Um, you know, with a year and a half off from Tommy John and then last year, like, You know, Garrett Cole is going to throw 200 innings, but if you need some sure innings with that, I mean, I suppose they assume that with the Garcia's and the Schmitz and, you know, things like that, that they were maybe a little bit more covered. But definitely, you know, I mean, look at what the Mets did by getting a guy like Joey Lucchese, right? Not a sexy name, not a huge name, but one injury and bam, he's their fifth starter. Same with Jordan Yamamoto. Yeah. You know, there could have been a minor trade somewhere. I mean, maybe if you're comfortable with Mike King, and I don't think anybody's even still comfortable with Mike King, even though he had an amazing performance, um, you know, behind Hermon, uh, six one-hit scoreless innings. I mean, where's that Mike King been? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, right? But, you know, I guess if you could have swung a trade like that for some guy who's an optionable, you know, six, seven starter like that, you know, a Louis Sessa type, um, you know, maybe they would have felt a lot better about it, but we'll see. I mean, you know, sometimes you roll the dice and obviously we know the Yankees are up against it with the, the luxury tax threshold. So they had to do what they had to do. And, you know, Corey Kluber is willing to take $11 million for one year. Maybe they could have got creative like they did with some of these contracts with Wilson and O'Day and Gardner where there's ridiculously weird cap, you know, cap kicks, so to speak, because of, well, this option turns into this. And then, you know, we have a, if you turn down the second year option, we get a third year option. And then, you know, the, the fourth year, we can trade you to the moon and we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, like I said, we'll see. But I, I, I would have felt a lot better about it personally if they had added someone who could have been either an extra layer of depth like a Lucchese or a Yamamoto at the Mets or somebody, you know, like a Musgrove who is maybe a little bit more, all right, this guy's going to give you 120 league average innings for sure.
0: Um, You know, since we're, we're talking about, you know, guys being injury prone or you know the the risk in the Yankees uh, starting rotation with Severino who's uh, expected to come back middle of the season around July um obviously at, at one point you know the Yankees thought and maybe still do think that you know he could be the a potential ace of the staff obviously not now with with Garrett Cole there but you know definitely a, a maybe a 1B Um, to Garrett Cole's one day, Do you think that that potential is still there? I mean, it's hard; it's a tough question to ask because you don't know until you see him come back and perform. But do you think that there's any possibility, any realm of possibility that he could come back and maybe scratch the surface of like 85%, 90% of what he was in what year, 2017?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, Tommy Jackson, like I said, there's guys that have had two that are still coming back and being, you know, above average major league starters. Yeah. So, you know, Sevy being in his mid-20s, you know, what we saw, you know, a couple of years ago when, when he was that dominant ace type pitcher, um, you know, I'm sure he can be. Um, you know, it takes time. And, you know, like I said, Jordan Montgomery even said that he was just this spring just starting to feel like himself again when he yeah. had his Tommy John surgery in June of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, or June of 2018, excuse yeah. me. So... I mean, you know, it's. I mean, that's two and a half years. You know, it it is what it is. With <sighs> Severino, I mean, you know, here's a best case scenario to think about too. The Yankees have him for one more year after this, and they've gotten absolutely nothing out of the first two and a half years. We'll say out of his extension. Uh, extension, because he's not going to be back till midseason. If Corey Kluber still pitching well, and Tyone is still pitching well, and Garcia is knocking on the door, and everything is, is humming, man. The Yankees could really use Severino as like a two inning Dellin Betances type fireman, no? And if you're not pitching, Ooh. you're not feeling like yourself yet, and your command isn't there, and maybe your pitches aren't, you know, your breaking pitches aren't as good as they were, and this and that, like, you know, may- maybe a, a one time through the lineup type guy might be, especially in the postseason where, you know, if Cole is Cole and you know Kluber is Kluber, <laughs> and then you're you have Herman, and Montgomery, maybe Garcia maybe even Schmidt, you know, to pitch your three, four starters. Like, I mean, what kind of lineup would you would you want to, you know, put out there? What What, what would you think if Dave Garcia is going four innings and then you have Severino coming in behind him to go three to get you to Britton and Chapman in, a, in an October game? I mean, it could be, could be something to think about. It's, it's wow. something I've always thought about with pitchers coming back from Tommy John as
1: this?
0: That's a hot take. <laughs> that's I am. I, am, well, I mean, I listen. totally I mean, not thought about. If you're
1: the Yankees, you've you know. If you're the Yankees, you know you're scoring what five runs a game on average. So, I think there's no doubt we're going to see you know qua- quality innings depending on the volume. But yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting point, Lou. Like about just stacking these guys up together, maybe to to get to compensate for the lack of volume.
2: Right, and you know you're also looking at a year where this is going to be the year now where we see it more often because last year was truncated as it was. This is going to be the year where you're going to see that, you know, there's no more 40 man roster in September. It's 20, I believe 28 or 30. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be able to call up and just be like, all right, well, you know what? Mike King's going to start today. Cause we need to insert a six starter and we have 38 guys on the roster and we're playing the Orioles. So what the hell he's going today or, you know, it's the second game of a double header and we have another game coming up, so we're you know, we're gonna punt and have Lo start and just bullpen it kind of thing. You're not gonna see that late in the season because you can't. Yeah. So, you know, if you can, you know, again, if you can maximize Severino, I mean, you know, looking at the bullpen the way it is, you're you're probably gonna have a fresher Britain because he's gonna be coming back in May, June, you know, so by July, August he's gonna be, you know, where's he gonna be? Where's he gonna be on September first? Thirty innings, tops? You know, if he pitches every other day between June 1st and September 1st, that's, you know, 40-something 40, 40 innings. Um, you know, we'll see what we have with Chapman, and you you never know. O'Day is, is getting up there in age, and Wilson, you know, coming off shoulder, who knows. That that may be the perfect fit where it's like, you know what, Loisaga turns into this dominant reliever. Let's throw Seve out there, and you've got bang, 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 you know, behind these guys that – you can go five and fly with a guy like Tyone to save his bullets when you have Seve waiting in the wings to throw, you know, two, three innings behind him.
1: I think it might be sort of like an active tryout, right? And a little bit uh, just to see which guys kind of stay healthy and which guys rise to the occasion. Um, so I, I did w- want to ask, you know, last year we were all, oh, we were talking about the soft t- t- tissues injury, excuse me, and how the Yankees restructured their strength and conditioning department uh, you know, they have, they hired Brett McAbee. Uh, they hired a bunch of new people, uh, you know, Eric Cressy as well. Um, we saw, you know, Voigt go down. We saw Sevi, of course, last, he's, you know, still injured, uh, you know, Britton, Schmidt, Wilson. How do you feel now? Like, how, what are your thoughts on the, on the strength and conditioning code, uh, uh, excuse me, department, or if, if you will, uh, you know, and some of the some of the injuries uh coming forward how do you how do you feel about the injury situation
2: sure i mean justin wilson is a is a shoulder inflammation it's just you know it is what it is yeah um, you know and clark schmidt i mean his elbow may not be functionally healthy you know I, it just it is what it is this year seems a lot better i mean the few injuries they have you know Luke Boyd, no amount of strength and conditioning can prevent you from tearing your meniscus yeah um you know, it is what it is there. You know, Wilson, the little bit of inflammation. Same thing with Britain. I mean, you can live with a bone chip, um, you know, a bone chip or a bone spur in a part of a body. You know, and once it breaks off and lodges in, I mean, it's just like a toothache. You know what I mean? You could have a cavity or something for a month, and then you, you, you know, you bite down on something on it and, it, and it pops. And just, you know, that searing pain, and anyone who's ever had a toothache like that and needed a root canal, you know what I'm saying. But... Um, <laughs> You know, this year, I think they've they've done a lot better, you know, and also some of the things we've seen, you know, it's a little troubling for Aaron Boone to say, we're not going to play Stanton five days in a row. I mean, it's got to be very hard to play 25% of the games uh, your team has played over the last two years and only hit 90% of them and you can't play three or four days in a row, but whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, but even Aaron Judge has been smarter about things this year and, you know, maybe maybe some of these things are starting to, um, you know, starting to take hold. And one one thing that I know has been talked about a lot this spring, um, you know, that maybe goes a little under the radar when you're not talking about it is how Corey Kluber and Eric Cressy's relationship prior to coming to the Yankees, where you know, okay, you know, maybe the Yankees were confident on Kluber because they have that inside info. You know, you know a guy that knows a guy that knows this guy is good. Well, then that's good enough for me. Um, you know, when the guy who oversees your entire you know, conditioning department and all that kind of stuff says, I've been working with this guy for years, this is the best I've seen him, you know, you kind of take that at face value. So we'll see how it, how it plays out this year. I mean, you know, God forbid, I hope we don't talk today. And then tonight Stanton pops a hammy. Oh, please stop. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everything we said is useless, but, um, so far, so good. The injuries they've had this spring have mostly been things that, again, like I said, strength and conditioning aren't going to prevent you from tearing your meniscus or having a bone chip lodge in your
0: elbow. Yeah, yeah. I think you also have to like you have to judge it over 162 games. If, if Judge and Stanton, I think they're kind of the two. Although it's it's interesting because they're so big, and I think so because of their size, they're so prone to injury. But if you can look at a 162 game season and you can say, all right. Well, Stanton's not going to play every fifth day, but if you say, "All right, Judge can play, give me 145 games, 150 games," it's a success. I mean, they, they you know, it, it, you're not looking at years past where it's next man up and the entire the entire team's going down. Um, and thing, with with Voight Boyd was battling injury last year. You know, he played hurt throughout the entire playoffs, so it was better for him to just get the surgery. It was on it was his knee, right? So like, it was better for him to just get the surgery now and deal with it um rather than play hurt the entire season and, and risk further injury
2: yeah for sure and you know as void even said you know if it was later in the season maybe he'd play through it and you know the term foot stuff became a thing last year yeah um outside of Rex ryan's world so that's <laughs> nice but um you know like i mean Boyd played through it, and it was pretty much it seemed like it was plantar fasciitis which anyone again who's ever had that like every step you take feels like you're stepping on a nail. So imagine having to run around the bases and do that. I mean, Luke Boyd's a tough dude. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: his brother is a middle linebacker at West Point. So, you know, the Voigt family has some toughness in their genes, but you know, uh, you know, like you said, like it's better to get it out of the way. Now, you know, do you want Luke Void at 80% or less for the first couple months and then miss him, And then things get worse. Or do you want to just say, you know what? We have Jay Bruce. Let's give him this extended look. And as Cashman even said, you know, when Boyd comes back, you want to have that problem where Jay Bruce is raking, um, you know, and Boyd is coming back and you're like, oh, here we go. Um, on the other side with the, the Stanton and the Judge thing, excuse me as I take a sip of my water. Uh, <laughs> my allergies are going bananas thanks to the weather here in the Northeast. Um, you know, Jack Curry actually made a really great point Um Curry makes a lot of great points, so I shouldn't say actually really
3: made a
2: great point. Curry <laughs> made a great point the other day after, um, during the pregame uh, after Aaron Boone's press conference aired about Stanton not playing on Sunday. And he said, you know, when you tell me, because both him and Flash were, um, were talking about this, and he said, you know, it's troubling in, in a lot of ways, but one big way is that if you say we're not going to play this guy like five days in a row, right, So you're basically telling him that, you know, sometimes there's going to be off days. But when you get into a stretch of 20 games in a row, he's only going to play, let's say, maximum of 16 of those. Right. Mm. Because he's going to to play four off, play four up. But just let's just go on that assumption. You're already telling the world and telling, you know, Stan that you're a 130 game player for us because, you know, just do the math, divide 162 by five. Um if you could actually do the math for me, that'd be great. No. Uh <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Jen, I cannot like help you. <laughs> yeah, no. If you divide hundred and sixty two by five though, that's thirty two games that you're gonna miss, basically. 32, yeah. 33 games, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're saying, you know, you're a hundred and thirty game, 125, 30 game play. Then, you know, something does happen where you know he tweaks a you know, tweaks a hammy or um, you know, he has a cold or got to go through COVID protocol. Yeah, great. You point. Know? you're going to miss another three, four, five games, or, you know, you jam a thumb and you got to go on the IL, you're out for 10, 12 games. Mm-hmm. Then you're down to 115, 120. And it's like, you're paying these guys so much money to become 120 game players in in a perfect world. You know, if you could be the Tampa Bay Rays where you have 12 guys and it's a basically fungible lineup and they all play 120 games and it works out that way. Sure. That's great. Um, you know, I don't think the Yankees can realistically do that, nor should they, but you know, when you're telling a guy right off the bat that you expect him to play 130 games tops, like that's, you know, so yeah. there's 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 a time and a place to pick your spots and there's a time and a place to be like, you know what, we're facing, Stanton's played three days in a row, but we're also facing uh, a pitcher who murders, you know, that's not the day to get him the day off.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I would love to be able to tell my boss, like, listen, I'm going to come in 75% of the work days. I hope that's cool, and my boss is just like, yeah, it's fine. Or a cool. or, or better um,
0: equivalent is you would ra- you you would hope that your boss tells you that you can come in 75% of the word days, and the other 25, don't worry about it, we'll still pay you. Because that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> exactly. That, I mean, that's, do, you, do you
1: think, think off will buy it? <laughs> Probably not. Um, so I guess Uh. I just wanted, you know, speaking of, I guess, jumping into, to, you know, we've been discussing a lot of players and talking about a number of players. Are there any players, Lou, that, that, you know, may may have been just performances in spring or just players you've been thinking about who who are sort of you see as maybe an X factor or players who've caught your eye that you expect uh, that you expect big things from that maybe not on everybody's radar?
2: I mean, I think right now the, the biggest two narratives of the first three games are um, wow, Gary Sanchez looks like the Gary yep. Sanchez of old and wow, Glaber Torres looks lost at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you're gonna to have to say that Jay Bruce is gonna be the X factor for now because Interesting. you know, Brian Cashman all but admitted that if Luke Boyd didn't get hurt, Jay Bruce would be somewhere else. And, you know, besides being the left handed bat, I mean, you know, if you follow if you follow or have followed or ever followed Mike Exisa, who works for CBS Sports and you know, River App Blues back in the day, like he's all about those guys somehow randomly turning into guys who hit two eighty with fifteen home runs for three months out of nowhere. Like this guy looked like he was done. And then all of a sudden he turns into you know the this Yankee monster, um, you know you get a little bit of the wild. You, you can over. see it, yeah. The... So you know that's right? Bruce can, yeah, Bruce can play a functional first base. I mean, you know we've already seen Boone move DJ to first and bring in Tyler Wade to play second for defense in the late innings, or the same with Gardner and Frazier. You know, so I mean the Phillies won a World Series in 2008 with Pat Burrell playing six innings a game. You know, it can it can be done long-term, even if it's not optimal. You know, for a couple months, you can deal with it. Um, you know, we've already seen also, too, and, and I hate to, you know, it's tough to say who's the next factor on the Yankees because you could have a lineup full of guys that hit 30 home runs. Yeah, um, yeah. We've already seen it, this weekend in, in game one, as a matter of fact, um, that, you know, Mike Talkman uh, came in and stole two bases and then, you know, got thrown out of the plate on a contact play, which... To be fair you know that's a play you run on a 100 times not yeah. 100 so it's not his fault or nevin's fault or whatever but i mean the competition was ideally like jay bruce versus talkman right for that spot or so we thought this is a guy who's ostensibly a fifth outfielder maybe even a sixth if you count Stan, on a team that's got you know mega stars and or you know guys like quinn frazier yeah but you come in and be that weapon you can steal a couple bases you can play defense at all three spots so if stanton does tweak a hammy or something you know judge can slide over to the dh spot and frazier can move to right he can do this like you know especially with the boone and Cash believing that Talkman is going to be more of the 2019 version than the 2020 version based on you know small sample size and he had a little bit of a shoulder issue last year I mean, this is this is a guy who can, uh, again, be one of those under the radar. The Yankees see it every year. They need it every year. Uh, it was Cameron Mabin a couple years ago, you yep. know, came out of nowhere. If he can be this guy that hits, you know, 260 with 15 home runs and 300 at-bats and plays there and, you know, they're going to get him some reps at first base because, really, when Jay Bruce needs a day off, it's D.J. LeMahieu and then you're playing, like, would you rather find a way to get talking in the lineup, or do you want to see Tyler Wade hit 190 all year playing second base <laughs> on days that Jay Bruce needs a day off, right? Um, and that's not a, it's not a knock on Tyler Wade. I love Tyler Wade as a person and a player, but the, the guy needs to hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so if he can, he can functionally play first base once a week and get in there and do some other things, you know, he could be the kind of guy that you look back and at the end of the season you go, damn, Mike Talkman hit 260 with 15 home runs and 300 <laughs> at-bats and played 110 games? Like, damn. You know, like, you, you'll look at it at the end of the season and not realize how much he actually contributed on the day-to-day because he's the, you know, 12th most popular player on the roster.
0: Now, just quickly on the first base, I guess Mike Ford just uh, wasn't an option um, between the two? No,
2: Mike Ford, I mean, Mike Ford is always an option. And the Yankees have, you know, the Yankees basically have – um if you could morph Mike Ford and Chris Gittins into one person, yeah,
0: um,
2: they would be a monster. <laughs>
3: um,
2: you know, Chris Gittins, Chris Gittins could be what Chris Carter was supposed to be—that that yeah. he was a Yankee. Um, you know, he was Eastern League MVP in 2019. The dude has exit velo coming out of out of his ears. I mean, he's a monster when he when he crushes one. But the thing with Ford is, again, he's you know, with Jay Bruce, it's like. Jay Bruce is not the Jay Bruce that played right field for the Reds for years and was a pretty decent outfielder, right? Jay Bruce is thirty four and he's is what he is. You know, Mike Ford can't play anywhere else. He's he's Good basically point. Jay Bruce with less versatility. Yeah. Wasn't as great of a hitter. You know, it's you know, the more and more you see Mike Ford, it's easy to get excited about him, but the more and more you realize he might also be one of those like quintessential four A players. Yeah. So, I mean, he's there. If something happens to Bruce where, you know, if Jay Bruce breaks his ankle tonight, then, yeah, I would imagine yeah. Mike Ford will be called up tomorrow and we will probably be playing through his base most of the time. But, you know, he's, you know, and he, he is what he is. And, again, this is a situation where Miguel and you you know.
0: Oh, my <laughs> like, God.
2: This is one of those, I, I know, this is one of those situations where it's like, if you could just stay healthy, man, like, you know. Could he have made the roster as a guy who can play first, play third, maybe play the – like, you know, would it have been like, all right, we're going to punt on Jay Bruce and give Andujar a shot for a month to see what he can do at first base because it is what it is and at least he can hit and then same thing, we can move him around for defense.
0: It's just – It's just so unfortunate because he can't – he was never able to field the ball, you know, at a a league average. He was – all. I mean, I I, I don't have, like, his defensive numbers, obviously, in front of me right now, but Andujar was just like – He's such a good hitter, and then it, he just couldn't play third base. <laughs> and even when they put him in the outfield, I don't know—it's an adjustment. But it was just—it was hard. It was, yeah, hard, it was mean, heartbreaking to watch.
2: I just, I just Miguel Andujar is going to be one of those guys that goes down in history as like, you know, I mean, David Ortiz was never a gifted first baseman either. Yeah, uh, of course, back yeah. in the day, but he could fake it for a week. And he could match. You know, if maybe if yeah. he's hitting 290 with, with 50 doubles a year, like, well, crap. You know what? We can put him at first base, or we can have <laughs> yeah. a DH, or, you know, platoon we'll them. him. Like, look, I mean, look at the Mets with Dom Smith and Pete Alonso.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I don't, good I point.
2: Don't think it's, I don't think it's a hot take where if the, if the National League had a DH, the Mets would be a much better team, because anybody in center field is better than what the alignment they have is now, right? Moving the parts around. Yeah. But... You know, with Mickey, it's like, he was always one of those weird guys, too, in that if you look at his minor league career, if you look at his splits, he was terrible in the first half to average and then, like, would turn it on in the second half. Like, once he got hot, he got hot um, and got comfortable. And, I mean, we saw what he did his rookie year, and now he just can't stay healthy. And, he's, you know, Gio Rochella came out of nowhere. Luke Boyd came out of nowhere.
0: <sighs> well, Gio Shell has really been a blessing in disguise. I mean, because he came out of nowhere. Urshela, he, three teams dropped him.
2: I mean, I remember seeing Gio Urshela in the postseason with the Indians years ago and being like, oh, this guy's like, how is this you know, you don't think, how is this guy starting on a playoff team? But you're like, oh, this guy, you know, he was that, that quintessential old school, like, you know, this guy can really play great defense. And he's not, the, not a great hitter, but he plays defense at a premium position, so – when you have a lineup full of guys like Lindor and Ramirez. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, all, he all he the nice contact, yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets like 320, and you're like, oh, man, where did this come from? Like,
1: <laughs> also, super underrated clutch hitter, Urshela. That's super well, you know, uh, with runners in scoring position. I think that gets lost in his amazing defense.
2: Yeah. He's, he's, been, every, I mean, he's been everything you could have wanted and more. guy that They acquired... Off the AAA scrappy for cash <laughs> in August, yeah. you know, as, as a as a random depth trade. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, making that.
0: yeah, it, it, it's
2: it's, it's, a, it's a shame, but it's time. It, it might be time for him to just go somewhere else.
0: That's um, I, I you think. Know, there's, yeah,
2: As you said, there's probably a team that you know, you know, I don't want to say a tanking team or a rebuilding team, but I mean, if you can. You know, if you can have him headline a package for, like, a, you know, a Herman Marquez or something, you oh know, my God. not great. Like, you know, like, this may be the time to do it because, you know, you hate that you get to a point where somebody may, their their, um, their usefulness may best be as a trade chip, but, you know, like, where does he play? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, this, if you can yeah. send him to somewhere where he can play three positions and you know, it'd be ideal if it was an American League team, too, where he could, the DH spot is in play, but that may be in play next year anyway in the National League. It's just, you know, it's like he could be an all time great, but he just, it, it's not happened. That's just not happening here in New York, you know?
1: Well, this also might be the best time, right? I mean, I think teams are still at least claiming they're recovering from the financial losses of COVID. So I would imagine, as you mentioned, Herman Marquez who by the way is is the league's best uh or second best I should say ground ball pitcher and a uh, soft contact inducer up there with uh with uh, Luis Castillo and James Tyon when he was healthy so I you just you mentioned Herman Marquez and, and that name I think for for a bandbox like Yankee Stadium that makes a lot of sense uh and if, you know you put you put uh Andujar in Colorado Ooh, I mean that that's scary so there's something to that um so I guess, you know, all things considered, right, like with, you know, with all the with all the players and, and potential, you know, injury issues, but also immense strengths and the pitching uh, fan has has the Yankees at 94 and 68. That wins the division. Uh, what do you, you know, over under 94 wins for this team? And uh, and, you know, what ballpark do you think they get around in terms of winning, you know, uh, their record?
2: Uh, yeah, 94, 94 and a half seems a lot, but, you know, as, as much as as much things are weird, I'm going to say over. Um, okay. And here's why. You know, if you look at this, as I said earlier, is kind of the same Yankees team you've seen for, you know, it's the same team we've seen for a few years now, basically. <clears throat> and here's the thing. With all the injuries they've had over the last couple of years, they won 100 games in 2018, 103 in 2019, and they won 33 last year, which, you know, extrapolate that out to, uh, you know, 2.7, you know, 60 games and 162, basically multiply by 2.7, you know, they still won as, as weird as last season was. They still won 90 games in a pro rated season. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you know, you're going to come up against games where Jordan Montgomery is pitching against Lucas Giolito. You're also going to come up on games where, you know, some team's fourth starter is going to beat Garrett Cole. But you're also going to come up on a lot of games where the Yankees just slug the crap out of everybody. It doesn't matter who's <laughs> pitching. Yeah. You know, with that line. I mean, you know, if you look at their lineup the last few days, uh, they might have the best 7, 8, and 9 hit. You know, their nine hitter is better than some teams' six hitters. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is, it is what it is. So, especially with, you know, the Red Sox are kind of rebuilding and, I mean, they stink, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, the Orioles are, the Orioles stink less. You know, they're, they're stink with a dryer sheet on top.
0: <laughs> and,
2: you know, Tampa, who knows what Tampa's, gonna, you know, who knows what you're going to get out of Tampa? They're, they always find a way. And last year they owned the Yankees. But Toronto is really the biggest competition, you know. They're going back to playing the, you know, the Dregs team. You know, they're still going to, they're going to play the Tigers again. You know, they're, they're going to play the the, the Rangers again, these bottom-of-the-barrel teams that they didn't see last year. 97-98
3: hmm.
2: 90, wins is not out of the realm of possibility yeah. based on that offense.
1: Yep, I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. You know the the floor of the of the pitching staff, uh, the starting pitchers, does scare is probably not the right word because I again I do think that you know if you get maybe 120 innings out of uh, Kluber and um, Tyone respectively, I think you can consider that a win. Those are I think those are quality low run innings, and then of course the Yankees they they score about five runs a game, right? So I think on average, and then the bullpen holds it down usually, so you know on average i think that's you're going to win a lot more games you're going to lose with that philosophy um, so yeah i don't know alessandro, alessandro you you you're you're pretty high on this team i know you you can be very critical of the yankees but you're pretty high on this team alessandro i'm curious uh, not to like interview the interviewee but what's your what's your take on the on the the win record i sometimes feel like
0: i get this unfair like you know pain stroke of being called you know uh, being painted to be like a homer I'm not. I'm always You're very critical. I'm time. always very critical of this team. So let's clear that up. But I, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm high because I think that that you know I think we have starting depth, something that we haven't had before, right? Garcia I think can be an X factor. I think if Schmidt can ba- bounce back, he can play a factor later in the season. I like Lou's idea of what he said about Severino. Didn't even think about that. Um and I also think, you know, if if you have guys like Gary Sanchez having a bat, obviously I'm I'm being a bit optimistic here. I, as I'm as I'm speaking, I can hear it, but I I don't think that 97 wins is a crazy, um, is a crazy number, and especially when you look at the American League, you know, there's not a whole lot of teams that are going to be ultra competitive this year. The White Sox are going to be a really good team. You don't know what the Astros are going to do. The AL East is, is weaker than years past. Tampa is always scary. Toronto looks like they're going to be good offensively, but I don't know if their pitching is going to last, especially their bullpen. I don't know if that's going to last over 162. So I think obviously the Yankees are the clear-cut favorite to win the division, and I think it's going to be them and the White Sox in the ALCS. Now, do the White Sox beat them in the ALCS? I'll, I'll be depressed for months Um, it's a possibility, but I I think they have a good shot to go to the World Series. I don't know if they're going to win it, but I think they have a good shot to go. And I think they need, I think they need to, right? I think that, look, I'm, I always go against the Yankee, like the, the brazen Yankee fan base that are crying after three games. It makes me sick to my stomach. I think it's embarrassing, but you know, if they don't go to the World Series this year, there's going to be, you know, th- there might be a riot outside of Yankee Stadium. I don't think that's crazy to think. You know, they, it, we're talking about this team has been developing since 2017, and their original plan was to be going for it by 2019. They were obviously had a schedule, um, by because they went to the ALCS in 2017. So I don't know. I, I think I think this is I think this is the year where they can potentially make the World Series if they win it. I don't know, but I think if they make the World Series. I think I think it's definitely possible. Now, real quick, because we only, we're gonna ask a couple more questions and then we're gonna wrap up. Um, I wanted to ask your take, Lou, about Gary Gary Sanchez, because I think the writing's on the wall, obviously, and I think it's I think it's clear that somebody lit you know a fire's been lit under his ass, so to speak. Um, I think his defense behind the plate looks better from what I can tell with my untrained eye, and um, obviously he's had a really good start uh, in the first three games of the season, so. We talked on Twitter actually a couple months ago briefly about the Yankees' um, catching depth, which could be scary if Gary all of a sudden, you know, goes on a plunge and is batting 190 mm-hmm. and is striking out a bunch of times. And then you have Kyle Higashioka as the, you know, as the filler for that in the immediate. So just, I guess, your thoughts on Gary and what you think he could do. Or if he doesn't, what do you think might happen? If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, listen,
2: this is. There, this is no hot take that this is a, a, a make or break year for Gary Sanchez yeah. in a lot of ways because we're now two years away from free agency. So you know he's he's getting expensive, obviously. Um, you know he's he is what he is. If he has a year closer to what he did in you know twenty seventeen twenty, you know twenty nineteen, he still hit a lot of home runs. He was an all star. But if he's closer to that 2017 burst on the scene, Gary Sanchez, than he was to late 2019, especially last year, um, you know, then you feel a lot better about it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and he's working on his defense. I mean, you know, Garrett Cole and Corey Kluver both praised him, you know, for his, you know, his game plan and everything this weekend. Um, You know, if you saw that throw he threw, uh, I believe it was Gritchett trying to steal second. Yep um on thursday i mean that was a perfect throw on a tough pitch yeah uh you know he had to kind of backhand dig it out of the dirt and then get up and fire he threw a ball that trailed into the runner like it was perfect like you know you want to see that all the time obviously you know it's tough but i mean you know you're looking at a guy who's making what six six and change million this year next year is going to be his walk year um if he you know if he has another bad year or another whatever, like, I, I honestly think the Yankees, you know, will look to try to trade him and maybe see if they can extract some value there. You know, maybe some team that, that thinks they can work with him a little bit and they'll let him DH in the interim. Um, you know, the Yankees' catching depth is, is very thin. Uh, you know, you have Higgy, who, you know, is probably in that Austin Romine mold where, like, mm-hmm. if he's catching more than 80 he's he's decent enough, but if he's catching more than 80 games, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> um, you know Torino, you're looking at Torino's and Brantley and Kellen Deglin I love Torino's. You know, there's no, I mean Anthony Sigler, Josh Bro, are low A guys right now. Yeah. I mean, so you're three four years away from if either one of these guys gonna become anything. You're three four years away. Plus both of them just lost a year of development time. Um, uh, you know Austin Wells will see what he can become, but I mean, is he Gary Sanchez 2.0? You know, like in terms of the bat plays anywhere, but he's not a great catcher, but, you know, who knows? Um, you know, I mean, you look at, and then you look at, you know, the Mets were able to sign James McCann for, you know, $10 million a year for four years, like if Gary Sanchez has a rough year and there's a guy like that out there that this winter somehow, I don't know what the off the top of my head what the catching free agency market looks like next year, but there's a guy like that out there. It might just be like, you know what? We know we're at least three, four years away. Let's go. You know, Hickey's a capable backup. We can sign a Rob Brantley type to be that third guy, or you know, find a an Ali Sanchez or someone like that to be an optionable third catcher. Um, you know, just, this is it. Like it, it's go time here. We've seen Gary Sanchez now. It's we had prospect fatigue for Gary Sanchez up to 2016 when he came up, and now I think we have player fatigue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <for Gary> <laughs> <Sanchez>. <laughs>
2: Because you know he came up, he mashed, he was a monster. He they traded McCann. He had a great season in, in 2017. He was an All Star, um, you know. And then he got hurt a little bit, and he wasn't. You know, he hit what 186 in 2018. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. still hitting home runs, but you know, listen, if you move him to a different position, he is not the premium player he is because his value is predicated on the fact that there are not a lot of catchers, if any, that can do what he does at the plate when he's right. If you move him to first base, it's like, look at his 2019. Uh, I'm sorry, but you can find a first baseman to hit 230 with 30 home runs
3: every year. Mm -hmm.
2: The Yankees have had a handful of them, from Chris Carter to... If Jay Bruce hit 230, let's say Luke Boyd's knee injury is worse than it is, right? And Jay Bruce plays first base all year. Even right now, knowing Jay Bruce is what he is at 34, do you not think Jay Bruce could hit 230 with 30 home runs in Yankee
1: Stadium in a full year? I mean, yeah. those, guys are, those guys are a dime a dozen. You guys, you, you remember Daniel Palka? Yep. A couple of years ago. Yeah, he's in he's in Korea. So to your point, like, the, you know, mashing first basemen are uh, grow on trees. Um, remember, when, so,
2: remember when Eric Thames was a thing? Like, yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, know, like, so he looks I like think he was though, in but, yeah. Japan or Korea
2: or wherever he was, and then he came back and he mashed for one year in Milwaukee, and it's like, oh, man, this guy's going to be great. And he had a couple of decent years, and then he was kind of a bit player in Washington last year, and now he's back in Japan or Korea. Like, yeah, I at which one. I know he's, I know he's overseas. I forget whether he went to Japan or to Korea, but like he's back overseas oh, yeah. again. He's yeah. In Japan.
3: Yeah.
2: So, I mean, <laughs> you know, and again, same thing. First base. I mean, you know, it, you know, Chris Gittins could be Gary Sanchez offensively. Mm. You know. So yeah. like you, you lose that premium value if he's not catching
1: and if he can't catch, I mean,
0: that's a great
2: is point. he going to lock up their DA spot
1: like that. It's you know it is what it is. The the twenty twenty two free agent catching market. I'm just I was just curious. so I'm looking. So it's Yadier Molina. You know I mean well you you know you you don't really expect him to. But you have Travis Darno, Christian Vazquez, uh, R- Roberto Perez, Wilson Ramos. So you've got some decent options. Like. Yeah. I don't
2: know. Jace. Until Yadier Molina retires, I would take Yadier Molina any year and every year he wanted to play somewhere.
0: Facts. Yadier Molina is
2: so much more than his offensive numbers, but that's oh, 100%. Yeah.
1: He's more than his defensive numbers too. I mean, the way that he controls a pitching staff and, you know, I was, ta- I was talking about this with my friend who's uh, kind of like trying to make a, a a comeback in in a semi-pro league and he was we were talking about Gary Sanchez and it's like if you're a young pitcher and you're working on breaking stuff like in a game, in the back of your mind if you're worried if Gary Sanchez is going to catch it or not or make a play, like that hurts your development. And I think that, you know, a staff like the Yankees like having these great arms like Clark Schmidt, I mean Domingo Herman, people forget how good he is. Alessandro's been on the Domingo Herman train I, as long as I can remember, you know, like having a good having a good catcher is paramount like it is just so crucial and you know gary to me uh i don't think he's a detriment defensively but but he's not you know he's close to really just defensively being just not a not a good uh not not, not good back there you know for for a team trying to to build itself uh a nice pitching rotation
2: sure and, and let me let me say this let me say two things about this um situation number one one thing i didn't mention before is um, Alessandro, I, I, I thought your analysis of the Blue Jays was spot on, like, awesome.
3: Mm.
2: Um, they are definitely a team where they're going to be better than the sum of their parts, so to speak. Um, and they're that kind of team where, like, because Vigio can play two or three positions and Vlad can play either corner and, like, Guriel is so versatile, and then they have Joe Panic on the bench, like, I, I don't necessarily know who their backup shortstop is. I guess it's Semien uh, moving over from second base, but they're one of those teams that has like 12 guys that could play 120, 130 games and yeah. still like, you know what I mean? Um, then their pitching is going to be their bugaboo, especially with Pearson and Robbie Ray on the IL. But the other point I'm going to make about what you were just mentioning about, like, you know, it weighs on your mind is, and this is by no means anywhere close to the same thing, but, you know, for me is like a, you know, I, I'm not an athlete, uh, and I haven't been since my, my freshman year of high school. I played rec <laughs> softball. That counts. But, Same. You know, I play yes, – I'll count it. Sometimes when you're on a, when you're on a team where you're – you know, if you're one of the better players and it's like you're playing a good team and you get in your own head because you're like, man, I got to play really well today because I know my team isn't as good as this team. And, you know, like you try to do too much and you, you hear that all the time. It's like, just like you said, you know, the reason Garrett Cole likes pitching Hagee is maybe because – he doesn't have to worry if he's going to throw a splitter in the dirt or something. And you know I mean? All hell's going to break loose. It's that mental aspect is there. And especially at the catcher position, you have to, you have to have that 1000% implicit trust that any pitch I throw, this guy is going to be able to handle it. And when you see a guy like Sanchez, you can't handle the basics. Sometimes it it,
1: it can get in your head. Hmm. So I guess just to ask uh, one, one final question, we'll just sort of wrap up. Um, who do you think can win the, the uh, AL MVP Cy Young? And if you really want to throw in Rookie of the Year, uh, feel free. Um, and I guess who do you think is going to be the MVP uh, and Cy Young of the Yankees?
2: All right, let me think about this for a second. I know you said you wanted me to try to settle a bet for you guys, too, so I won't have,
1: to have <laughs> too much time here. <laughs> well, we may not have time, but we'll see. We'll see.
2: Um, when it comes to the who is going to be the Cy Young of the Yankees, I think we know the answer to that. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when it comes to who is going to be the MVP of the Yankees, I'm going to go out on a real hard limb here and say DJ Lemayu. Oh, nice.
3: Um,
0: yeah, right? okay.
2: Because as good of a player as he is, he's also the leadoff hitter, and he's going to set the tone. Um, 150 times a year, uh, you know, you're well, read off on of right? Sure, I mean it's no better way than to start one nothing, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, Torres is a, can be an offensive power. We'll see what we get out of Sanchez. You know, Josh Stanton. We can talk about these guys at nauseum. DJ LeMahieu is going to be that that central piece to, to all of it, offensively, defensively, all the way around. So I, I mean, it's like you know, picking you know chocolate pudding as your favorite flavor. It's pretty obvious, but. Um, uh, I'm going to go with those two guys when it comes to the league. Um, I really like to see, especially in the, in the, um, in the time he's going to get if Eloy Jimenez, you know, doesn't come back until the end of the season, if at all, um, if Andrew Vaughn can play left field, semi-functionally, um, for the white Sox, you know, or can be the DH or whatever, like that, that kid can hit, mm, uh, so. even though he's really never played a ball. Um, you know, that kid can hit. He's he's got a real good chance of it. He's um, polished, for sure. You know, we'll see we'll see what happens if and when Wander Franco comes up too in Tampa. Because I mean, again, they're that team where he could come up in mid May and just be amazing. Yeah. And like, why did they hold on to this guy so long? It's a it's a very you know, it's a very um, I don't want to say thin rookie class, but based on last year, a lot of guys missing and alternate side stuff like this is one of those years where the rookie of the year is, it might, you know, it may be a little bit more of a Bob Hamlin type, less sexy player than, um, you know, the, the splashy Chris Bryant or the,
1: uh,
2: yeah.
3: you know, the, well, Rosa Reina
1: technically, Rosa Reina technically held on to his, uh, his rookie, uh, status. So I don't, I kind of feel like that's like cheating. <laughs> so I'm glad you didn't mention that. Cause that feels like such a cop-out answer, but, uh, you
2: know, yeah, I mean, Kel, I think, you know, yeah. same thing with Kellnick too. Like, I mean, if, yeah. if he comes, he's motivated. And he comes up on May first and just rakes all season. Like, you know, it's Rookie of the I, Year is that one, that one, um, that one award where it's really tough to make a, a good prediction sometimes because it's like you never know, like, you know, you never know who's down in the minors that may just be getting their service time gained.
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Valid.
2: Um, For the Cy Young award, I mean. You know, love to see Garrett Cole uh, up there, you know, and it's very possible that, you know, with that Yankees offense, he may look amazing. Um, you know, Shane Bieber's the defending champion until further notice. Uh, G Alito's already had a good start. Uh, Ryu had a good start, and he was amazing last year. Um, so there's a handful of really good, you know, really good pitchers. And then you, you, you never know where you're going to get that out of nowhere guy. I mean, you know. Now that they're they're not pitching against the same division the whole time is you know is somebody gonna come out of nowhere from you know, Boston or Tampa you know, is Tyler Glass now gonna put it all together finally.
1: Mm. Um well, he's got that third pitch now, he's got that slider, so I'm actually a little you know, I think he's he's as good as anybody at this point in my book.
2: And, you know, now that you're not playing, you know, a ton of your games against the White Sox and the Indians and these other teams, like, you know, is somebody like a Jose Barrios going to like finally become an ace? Mm.
3: Um,
2: You know? So, yeah, it's, I I mean, for, for my pick, I'm going to, I'm just going to Homer it and go Garrett Cole.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I love it.
2: I mean, that's a good pick. We know it's record, right? I mean, you know, like, as you know, we, we did a predictions thing on, on radio.com or Odyssey now, um, earlier this week and and Tim Kelly wrote it and you know I remember him writing he's like you know I did mention Bieber's the defending champ until further notice but you know he faced really bad teams last year and then the Yankees clobber.
0: yeah oh I've been saying that to Nick forever that he he basically I'm I'm,
1: I'm a huge believer in Bieber I think every time Bieber pitches to me I drop what I'm doing and I watch him he 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 struck out 13 granted Tigers but in a snowstorm but his stuff moves like nobody else's. I mean, he, I don't know. I, I personally, I'd pick Bieber, but I, I get the criticisms. You're not wrong about the schedule, but he does. I don't know. The Indians let their guys go. He should get innings and the, their schedule's not like that much different, but, you know. I, I mean, look, I know.
2: He's, he's a great pitcher. I, I'm not going to take that away from him. He's a great, he's a great pitcher, Um but he also, you know, the Cy Young award last year, like I said, I mean, they both came from the Central, and those were easily the two weakest divisions in baseball, yeah. and they yeah. played each other six times, so can't deny that. You know, you're like, a, last like I said to my point, I mean, look at Barrios' first start. I mean, he struck out 12 guys. Um, you know, didn't allow a hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. I mean, he, he he was he was a monster uh, in that first start. Um, you know, I mean, is this the year? Like now that he's not having to face the—I I know it was Milwaukee where they had the dueling no hitters going,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, for
2: a bit with him, Corbin Burns. But you know, so yes, obviously they're still going to play those central teams. But I mean, he's—he's he's not not going to pitch all of his games against the White Sox, the Twins, the Cardinals. You know, he's going to have to face the Rangers and the and you know the Tigers, obviously, but those kind of teams. So you know, it, it's it's going to be fun to watch this year how how some of these ace caliber pitchers do when they're back out into the wild, so to speak, not having to play their own divisions
1: again. And having to ramp up on like having gone in such an awkward, uh, pitching environment that, that I think we're going to be seeing a ton of injuries and we might have to factor in the fact that nobody's going 200 this year. I I really believe that, um, we're just going to have to factor, I think quality in more than we ever have instead of quantity. Um, So I guess, Alessandra, what do you think? Should we do uh, it? We're already over. Just do it.
0: Do it. Go. Shoot. Okay.
1: All right. So I'm going to make this as brief as possible. Basically, I uh, will say, like, I gave Cashman an an A grade, but I still – I don't think it's harping to say that – you know, I wrote in an article for the Brooklyn College Vanguard, that's the paper that I write for, that I I criticized Cashman for – taking too long to sign anybody, right? Like prioritizing DJ. As I mentioned, this is a team that scores five runs with or without DJ. This is, You know, he's the heart and soul of the team, but you got plenty of heart and soul in that team. I think you, you, they would have been much better off prioritizing pitching. Get a Lance Lynn who's going to eat innings this year, which is incredibly valuable. Get a Musgrove, then get your DJ. Uh, you know, as I, I mentioned, five trades that happened before they got DJ. I think they – I think – it's. I personally, I think it's lazy to say, well, it worked out in the end, so it's okay. Um, I think that they assume too much risk getting Tyone and uh, and Kluber, and I think they would have been better off, you know, going maybe one of them and then like a safer, lower upside pitcher. That, that's my take on it. But
0: well, hold on. You know, this, I, I get it. I, very quickly, the crux of your argument was that they took too much of a risk playing hardball with DJ. And and in that time they didn't go out and they didn't sign anybody else. And my my pushback on that was that DJ, if I'm correct, was originally asking for twenty five million dollars. They got it for six years at fifteen million dollars. And this is a guy who's batting three eighty nine with runners in scoring positions since twenty nineteen and he batted three sixty four last year and he's a great hitter. So I, I while it was risky, you have to take risk and play hardball with players if you don't want to give them that full value, I know Derek Jeter was a lot older when they did it with him, but you know, he was asking for like a yeah. hundred million dollars at 37 years old. And they said, okay, go, go and try and see if you can get that from anybody else. And he couldn't. And while it may have soured the relationship between him and the Yankees, I don't think that happened between DJ and Brian Cashman. You know, it they, they got their guy at a, at a cheaper rate. So I think you have to take risk in the offseason. And you also have no idea what these other teams were asking. If the Yankees did inquire for Musgrove or they did, um, inquire about uh, Lance Lynn you don't know what these teams are asking back so I think it's a silly argument that's the debate Lou
2: so here's so here's my take on this and I'm gonna fall somewhere in the middle so I can't settle this debate uh. in full because I think you're I think you're both I think you're both correct um, and you know I think I, I won't go too far into Nick's point because I think I said that at the top of the show here yeah. that you know we kind of we're kind of simpatico with our ideas there Um. Not to, not to just blow you off there, Nick, but I think we kind of... No, I hear you. There, right? yeah. So, Alessandro, to your point, you know, you're right. And and I, and I think I kind of, you know, uh, within that talk about Kluber and Tyone and this and that, you you know, you never know what they were asking, you know. Sometimes, you know, if I, you know, you have that Yankee tax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: exactly. Like yeah. The
2: Yankees, you want to, but then they go out and they make a trade for Jamison Tyone, where they give up... I mean, yeah, Ronti Contreras...
0: That's a good point.
2: You know, was one of their their top-pitching prospects, and is what it is, but he's a, he's a 19, 20-year-old kid in able. Yeah. I mean, you know, they gave up... <clears throat> for that, they gave up, you know, they gave up Contreras, who, like I said, is, you know, was a top-pitching prospect for them, but was in low A two years ago and did not pitch at all last year, you know, in any major games. You know, Michael Escato is... a. 18-year-old lottery ticket who's never played a game on American soil. Kanan Smith is a guy who, and now I know he he's using an alternate name. I, I, I forget what it is, but, um, you know, Kanan Smith, same thing. They drafted him out of high school. I mean, yeah, he hit 300 in low A ball. And he was a functional player, but who knows what happened. He's three years away minimum, you know, up the line. Um, and then, Yahure we saw a little bit last year, so that is what it is. You know, but guys like Yahoo could be a dime a dozen in terms of those like, you know, swingman middle relief type kind of guys. You know, so who knows what they were asking. But the, the crux of the issue is that despite the fact that the Yankees cry for all teams lost money, every business lost money. We're in the middle of a pandemic. That, that is what it is. 29 major league teams saw their values based on Forbes, which just came out on Monday. Here we go. 29 of 30 teams saw their values rise. The only one that didn't is the Rays, who stayed even. So no team lost value in this pandemic, despite what happened. Right? So, I mean, the least valuable franchise in baseball is worth a billion dollars. The least valuable franchise in baseball is is worth a billion
0: dollars. Yeah.
2: I, I was still able to put food on my table during the pandemic, mm. even though I changed jobs. Like, you know, these guys aren't. You know, if if the Yankees grass needs to, like, you know, sell one of their yachts, like, you know, deal with it. Um, I understand that it's that's not my money, and it's easy to say go over the tax and this and that. But like, let's look at this roster real quick, right? Like look at their luxury tax hits and this and that for the next few years. We already said Gary Sanchez is in his ARB two years. So he's got this year and next year before he's a free agent, right? Aaron judge is in the same boat where he's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. And again, you don't know whether or not he's going to be worth investing in because if he's a great player, but he's always hurt, yeah. then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, this one, win- Severino's got a year left. Let's, I'm not even going to count this year. He's got a year left on that extension before he goes. Uh, Chapman is a free agent after next year, right? Um, you know, Aaron Judge is in his ARB three year next year. Sanchez is in his ARB three year. Luke Voit's going to get expensive. Urshel is a super two, so he's got two more ARB years. Torres has, you know, a super two, so he's got three, luckily. 2023, 2023, which doesn't seem that far away, right? Yeah. You take away the three huge long-term contracts they have uh, with Cole, Stanton, and LeMahieu, and then we know Hicks is under contract for a long time. This is what the Yankees have under contract for 2023. Luis Severino, Luke Boyd, and Gleyber Torres in their third out of four R-beers, Urshela in his final R-beer, and then all of the bottom of the roster guys. You know, Frazier, obviously. I don't want to call Fra- Frazier a bottom of the roster.
0: Like, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah,
2: Jordan, Jordan Montgomery is going to be in his walk year. Clint Frazier is going to be close. Um, you know, <laughs> then you're looking at the Domingo Hermans and the Michael K. Like, this team is going to look a lot different in three years. This might be the window. To not to play hardball with DJ LeMahieu is one thing and to try to be creative, and I gave crashing props for that. But to completely just kind of what's the word i'm looking for to really just like make it a self-fulfilling prophecy that it's like well we're gonna do what we do and if we luck into the playoffs great you're the new york yankees you can't do that like this is the window you know if you need to go out and sign you know look at what i know he got an insane amount of money and we can talk about his fitness for new york and everything for trevor bauer on that three-year contract wouldn't hamstring the yankees in any way other than they're going to pay luxury tax for the next three years. The New York Yankees yeah. are the most valuable franchise in baseball. Yep, I'm pretty sure they can find a way to pay the bills. Like uh, that's, I mean, that's just it. Like they, they can find a way to pay the bills. You know, I I mean, I mean, I don't know what tickets are going for right now in pandemic times, but. Uh, it wasn't exactly
1: cheap to get in the Yankee Stadium in twenty nineteen. No. Yeah. Well depending on the way that the depending on the way the new uh, C B A is agreed upon, I believe that if you do go over it affects your uh bonus pool money as well. And teams like the yeah. Teams like the Rays and the Yankees, that's sort of like their lifeblood. So like remember back in uh I think it was like 2016 or 2015. The Yankees uh, actually lost out on Wander Franco. They, I mean, granted they got they got uh, Jason Dominguez, but because of cap money, because the Rays, you know, they don't spend, so they get so much, you know. So I, I yeah, I, I, I do kind of think the Yankees probably could have gone over and just got their man, but yeah. it
2: affects your it affects your motion right now, and I'm going to say this with, with with emphasis right now. It affects your bonus pool. It affects your draft picks. You know the same way signing a, a qualified free agent affects. That's why the Yankees only had three picks last mm-hmm. year uh, mm-hmm. in the abbreviated draft. But who knows what the next CBA is going to look like? True. Like what happens if you know if there's a salary like, like if there's a salary cap in the next CBA, which won't happen, but just humor me here. You know, and it's two hundred million dollars, and so the Yankees are at X salary, and it's like, well, we got to do something to get creative and you know, maybe teams have a grace period of three years to get under the cap. And, this, you know, there's going to be ways to do things. If you're, you need to plan for the future, but also plan that the future is going to be, you don't know what the future is. So you have to like go for the now. Like you can plan for the future and say, well, we want to get under the luxury tax this year because this core is going to get expensive and this and that. But when you're a team like this right now, that's got a two or three year window and you don't know what that future is going to look like, it could be good or bad. You know, that's, that's the time to go for it, in essence, because this is a team that won a hundred games two years in a row, and you know has made it to the LCS a couple times in the last four years, and just hasn't been able to get over that hump. And they did nothing different this year. Like th- this, would have been the time to go for it. So,
0: it's a great point. I, I I can't even really argue again. Again, for a team that hasn't won a World Series in in, uh, 11 years, uh, going on 12, and for a team, you know, obviously not every team can win every single year, but for a team like the Yankees who, you know, consistently are always competitive, yeah, I mean, you can't really worry about the future. You have to worry about the now. What can you do within this time frame, and how can you make this a championship squad deal with the future later? So I actually 100% agree with that take, 100%.
2: Right. And, you know, we know that 29 teams every year are going to go home disappointed no matter what. One of which is going to be the most disappointed because they were right there. You know, whoever wins the pennant but doesn't win the World Series is yeah. going to be, um, you know, right there. But, um, you know, it, like like I said, it just – this would have been the time to go for it. And, you know, if we look back five years from now and the Yankees still haven't won a World Series and they're under the luxury tax, great. Yeah the, the, fans, the fans couldn't give forgive my language here but the fans couldn't give F1 yeah about uh oh are not know, a family show. You, you
0: burst,
2: <laughs> no i know but i, I try not to uh, you know <laughs> try, try to you. be uh try to be a low professional some sometimes i try to be professional uh, <laughs> just don't on workers but no i mean you know, the, you know they couldn't give F1 about the Yankees luxury tax situation because i've been a yankee fan for 40 and a half years and, uh, you know, I care about the fact that when I was in late high school and college, I watched my team win four titles in five years. Yeah. And I care about the fact that since I turned 21, I've seen one of them. You know, well, i watched. That, it ruined Red you. Sox. Yeah. Well, I watched, you know, I, I grew up in, 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 you know, New Haven County, Connecticut, which is like the Mason-Dixon line or the, the Munson-Nixon line, as it may be, for Yankees-Red <laughs> Sox you know, or Mets, you know, Yankees-Slash-Mets, Red yeah. Sox. And, you know, I've seen my friends who are Red Sox fans win three World Series championships in the last 20 years, including the 2004. And, um, <laughs> you know I, I've seen the highs and lows of the Aaron Boone game and then into like watching the team not make the playoffs for the first time in 15 years in 2008. And I've seen my Red Sox fan friends win, you know, three World Series and I've seen the I've seen the goddamn Marlins win a World Series in the last twenty years. Oh
0: my god. You know, I've seen
2: the Rockies make it to a World Series in the last twenty years. I watched the Rays in the World Series last yeah. year, for God's sake.
0: That's twice the in the past in the past two decades.
2: A team that plays in the major league baseball equivalent of a transfer station and has a payroll <laughs> of what I have in my wallet at any given time made the damn World Series last year. After knocking my team out in an ALCS where despite all the questionable decisions and ridiculousness, it still came down to a closer who has a penchant for giving up season-ending home runs doing it again. I, I'm tired of that. If, if you listen to Craig and Evan, you know, they play that Christopher Johnson, I am sick of losing crap yeah. uh, Cliff, all the time. Mm-hmm. I, the Yankees don't lose, but, like, I'm tired of watching, you know. I was sitting in the press box the day Brock Holt hit for the cycle, completing the cycle by hitting a home run off Austin Romine in a blowout in the ALDS and like, I don't want, I'm, I'm tired of watching this. Like I'm tired of watching this. This is a team that plays in the biggest market in the sport that has the biggest payroll in the sport and is the most valuable franchise in the sport. And we're acting like we have to go shopping at Goodwill to get clothes (laughs) for the dance because, well, we're going to have to pay more tax on the, on the, the good shirt. Like, come on, you know, like that's my fan perspective on it. It's a little different when you're on the inside, because obviously, like, you're there, you're around players, you know they all want to win. You know that, you know, in the back of Brian Cashman's mind, as budget-conscious as they are, they still want to win, but then, then then, go for it. Like, do it. Like, look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers yeah. have a payroll of, what, about $7 billion this year? <laughs> they yeah. won the World Series and added Trevor Bauer on a contract that would make, like, you know, Scrooge McDuck blush. Yeah. And... You know, the Padres, who are in the same division as the Dodgers and play them 20 times a year, on top of having played them, you know, in the playoffs last year, we're like, you know what, we're just going to trade for these three starting pitchers because they had a hell of it. We're going all in. We just gave a guy who's played about 70 more MLB games than I have, $340 million, because we think he's going to be a stud and we don't want to lose him. And the Yankees are like, well, we're going to wait out D.J. LeMahieu to get him at a discount, and then we're going to sign Corey Kluber, who his shoulder might be shot, but we can get him cheap. Like, that's the optic. Regardless yeah. of what the final tallies are and what happens, like, that's the optic that these fans are looking at. And in an era where social media gives everyone a voice, including people who probably shouldn't have them, <laughs> um, you know, that's the yeah. optic. It's, it, it is what it is. Like, I just, I'm as passionate as you. I, I want to watch the Yankees go 162 0. And I'm not, you know, I'm not screaming and crying and, and complaining and throwing my hat down at 1 and 2 because I get that there's absolute flows of the season, but. You know, if you have that here-we-go-again feeling, you're
0: not necessarily wrong. And, and very quickly, because we have to wrap up, I mean, imagine, you know, you said you were in you know, late high school when the Yankees won those four championships. Imagine being my age or Nick, Nick's age. You know, we're both turning 27 this year. My entire life has been the Yankees are almost there. They almost have enough. But no, they're losing to yep. the Marlins in 3 the Red Sox 4 with blowing the 3-0 lead. They won in 0-9 after they went out and they spent on A.J. Burnett, on Mark DeShera, on CeCe Sabathia, where they spent the money to complement you know, the remainder of Posada and Jeter and Mariano and Pettit, and they got the job yep. done. But, you know, I was 15 years old when they won in 9 I was 15. I remember I cut my math class to go to the parade. But again, that was that was almost twelve years ago. And you know, I I need the adult championship in my life because I don't I don't have that. You know, I it, my entire life yep. has just been almost getting to the finish line, and not having enough. Mainly because of pitching, you know, losing to the Tigers. All those years we lost to the Tigers in either the the DS or the CS. Watching Maglio Adonias and Ivan Rodriguez like kill us. It's just yep. my entire life has just been. I know, and it's hard to complain because the Yankees have been competitive. They've gone to the playoffs every year, unlike the Mets. You know, sorry, Nick, but, you know, it's so, but, like, it it is, it's crushing. And it it takes a toll on you after a while. So, I hear you.
2: You know, and it's, it's, you know, it is, too. It's like, you know, and just think about it from this perspective, too. Like, you know, you mentioned all those ESs and T'ss against the Tigers when they were a juggernaut in the early aughts or early tens. Yeah. You know, after the Yankees won the World Series. And then that disaster of a wildcard game against Dallas Keuchel in 2015.
0: Oh my god. And
2: then, you know, 2017 when Severino imploded and you're like, "Here we go again." And then 30 minutes later, Dee, Dee hits a three-run homer to tie the game, and Tommy Cantley and David Robertson collectively have the greatest day of their lives. And we go on to Game 7 of the L- LCS where the home team won every game. Like, Yeah. Those those highs and lows come come fast and come quick and you know, you don't have to you don't have to go out and get the thirty best players in the league to win a championship. The two thousand nine Yankees had a Jerry Hairston. I, I mean, like, of all the trade deadline acquisitions, Jerry Hairston <laughs>
3: was their
0: guy in two
2: thousand nine. But you know what? He filled a role. Like, yeah, the Yankees needed the Yankees needed certain innings. They have plenty of offense. They have plenty of offense enough to live with Glaber Torres doing whatever the hell he's doing at shortstop. Um, you know, they have guys on guys on guys, and I mean. Brian Cashman can find these Luke points and Cameron Mabins, and they needed they needed two to three starting pitchers. They got two to three starting pitchers, but they bought them off the bargain aisle as opposed to going out and saying, you know what, I'm going to spend on myself. I deserve it. You know, would Trevor Bauer have won a championship this year in New York? Maybe, maybe not. You know, like I said, 29 teams go home unhappy. But Trevor Bauer or... You know, trading for Darvish or Snell or Musker or one of these would have gotten the fan base to help him Hendrick, Kyle in. Hendricks, you yeah. You know? It's just it is what it
1: is. Yeah. Well, I think uh I think uh as much as we we, we say this literally every time. We say we're gonna we're gonna go, we're gonna do like an hour episode or forty five minutes and then we just love talking to Lou so much so we just like we just like keep, keep it going. I, 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 we, we could literally talk to you all day about the Yankees. Um, but, uh, unfortunately I think, I think, uh, it is time for us to wrap up. But, um, once again, ladies and gentlemen, Lou DiPietro of senior content producer for WFAN Lou, once again, thank you for doing this. You're, you're always welcome here.
2: Gentlemen, I look forward to the next time we do it again. And, um, you know I, I know i have to block off my entire afternoon when i do but I, i'm more than willing and more than happy to do it because i love talking to you guys as much as you love talking to me
0: oh thank you so much lou we really appreciate it <laughs> thank you man
3: often i am upset that i cannot fall in love but i guess it's the voice the stress of falling out of it